Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. It's 106 in Edmonton, hour number two of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you in this hour. Which is brought to you by Digitex, who wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Hugh Porter and his staff at Digitex want you to stay safe and stay positive. In this hour, David Staples coming up in about a minute 15 from the Cult of Hockey. And John Shannon, our NHL insider, as we go to the uh, the Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors providing winning results for over 35 years. I got three texts, including one beauty that uh, is going to make you chuckle. Roger from Lloydminster says, Bob, longtime Flames fan here, and it pains me to say this, that the Oilers look scary and have a much brighter future than the Flames. Here's hoping that we can see a Battle of Alberta sometime soon. It's the best rivalry in hockey. Roger, Calgary has a bullet to play. Okay? They have a bullet to play. They're going to play Winnipeg, and I, we're going to do our predictions on Friday, and I'm going to say right now I'm going to take Calgary to win that series uh, in five, and a lot of people will disagree with me. But if they get eliminated by Winnipeg, do they look at moving a guy like Johnny Goodrow? And if they do move Goodrow's money out, now they're in the game on Taylor Hall. And that, if I'm Calgary, different type of player, and Goodrow, look, Goodrow's had a 99-point season in the NHL. But don't forget, they're going to get something back from Goodrow. And I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm just saying that's a bullet they theoretically could play. The Doomer has texted the show to say, Bob, one player that comes to mind when talking about comparisons to Ethan Bear is Philadelphia's Shane Gostas Bear. Hmm. You know what? That's not a bad comparable. Bear just hasn't had the... If, if Ethan Bear had played on the Oilers' power play, I mean, Edmonton had the number one ranked power play in the year. Uh, he probably would have had 15 to 20 more points in the power play. So now you're talking about a guy that might have been in Rookie of the Year conversation. He played more minutes, time on ice, than any other rookie in the league. Jason from Zangudo. I mentioned that tomorrow we will not have a second hour of Oilers now for you, so no Brian Burke and George LaRock tomorrow because we're going to carry the Commons debate uh, with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He's doing an hour 
on the Wii controversy, which will take place 3 to 4 Eastern, 1 to 2 during the show. Jason from Sangudo has texted us to say, Bob, does Comrade, well, I don't know if Comrade's fair, but he says, does Comrade Trudeau provide any compensation for bumping you off the air, Bob? That's from Jason from Sangudo. Uh, no, but I will tell you, that my mother, who's been retired for about the last 12 to 15 years, uh, out in the out on the coast, out on the island, has suspiciously uh, been reached out to do motivational speeches uh, by a certain organization. Just kidding. Let's bring aboard uh, David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. How are you doing, David? I'm good, Bob. How are you? Good. I, I just saw that you tweeted something out from earlier today from Norman Spector. Uh, who I think we need to state is, uh, we'd be fair to call him a conservative uh, pundit. Is that correct? Definitely a conservative partisan, yes. And what is the, uh, basically, what what is the genesis of what he's tweeting out today on the Wee scandal? He's just, he's just pointing out it's a little bit suspicious that before 2015, Margaret Trudeau didn't get a penny from Wee, but since Justin Trudeau's been elected prime minister... She's been paid $500,000 for her various occurrences. So make that, make of that what you will. I, I also find it a little bit uh, troubling. Have you seen Great Hack? It's on Netflix, and it's about uh, Cambridge Analytica and how they supported primarily right-of-center parties uh, and right-of-center perspectives uh, through their deployment of uh, Facebook information. No, I haven't seen that. I would strongly look if you're, and you can be center right. Uh, you don't have to be a far left person to appreciate this. I, I just, I, I would watch it because it was really interesting. As some of you that are closer to the story would know, uh, Cambridge Analytica uh, is uh, has been insolvency since 2018, but it, it's quite the uh, doc that just went up in the last couple of weeks on Netflix. I saw it the other night. And I was like. Wow, uh, pretty impactful when you watch it, and interesting to see how much information uh, certain organizations actually have of you, David, me, Brennan, everybody out there. Now, I'm not on Facebook, uh, but uh, interesting stuff to say the least, and I'd recommend uh, people watching it. It, it. If you have any interest in that sort of thing, and maybe you should be kind of interested. It doesn't always have to be hockey. We talk about big issues <laughs> on this show. Uh, we are into the hub. You and me spent all. You were the Edmonton Journal's COVID writer. Uh, we've had a, a discouraging story out of uh, one of the uh, elderly extended care facilities out of Southwest Edmonton that has dramatically increased uh, Edmonton's uh, death totals uh, due to COVID. I think we're up to 37 or 39 deaths now. We only had 15 in the first four months and. Basically, the majority of those deaths are tied to two facilities. Uh, the fact is that Edmonton is still below 1% positivity rate in a province that's testing more than any other province in the country. Uh, but so far, so good on the Hub City side. And, uh, it, you know, by all reports, the players seem quite happy with things, David. Yeah, Bob, it seems like there's... Uh, I, I guess we'll know for sure after they've been in the uh, hub for five days uh, whether anyone's positive with COVID and then we'll see how effective the bubble is in keeping it out. I noticed the NBA results were a lot better this time too. I don't think they had any positive results in the last two tests in the NBA. So this whole hub idea in terms of proceeding uh, with a major event, it's it's really hard to do obviously the hub 
But if there if there's a will to do it, if there, there's clearly a way to do it to stage major events that are COVID free, and that seems to be where both the NHL and the NBA are headed, and that's excellent news. What did you think of the Oilers' performance last night, David? I was really I was really enthused, Bob. I mean, that game had a lot of grit. That that game was a tough game, uh, and Cassian's hit on Gustafson uh, really set the tone for that. But the Oilers just. You know, they've looked, let's face it, they've looked really strong since uh, Yamamoto joined the team and their lives have been sorted out. Yep. And that just, they just continue to roll along. And they got great goaltending. The big wild card for the old, for, for the Oilers in the playoffs is Koskinen and Smith, and both of them, both of them played very well. Um, how can, you know, what should Edmonton fear? How can Chicago, like the Oilers are going to be the favorite in the series. It's a 5 versus 12 uh, seed matchup. Uh, how does Chicago pull off an upset? The way I figure it, Bob, if, if the Oilers and the, and the Hawks played each other four times, these current teams, the Oilers would win three times and the Hawks would win one. So so there is a chance, I take it at about 25% chance, the Hawks can, can win this series. And the biggest thing they have going for them is uh, their net-minding. Crawford, in the last three months of the season, Corey Crawford, had a 930 save percentage. He was uh, he was absolutely red hot in in all of 2020, and um, he apparently like the, their defense is apparently very weak, but he made up for that. And they also have so if they have a super hot goaltender, and they also have great even strength scoring. I mean Jonathan Caves, Patrick Kane, and Dominic Kubalik were all in the, in the top 25 in terms of even strength scoring, and they've got three other guys, um, Nylanders. Strome and uh, DeBrinket and Brandon Saad, who also can put up points even straight. Yeah. So this is a team that can score, and if they can get somehow, if, if Crawford can stand on his head, um, they've got a chance. That's how they would win this. And, and the other, so they would also get obviously they get puck luck, and the Oilers, the Oilers power play would have to to crumble a bit, and Chicago would have to get hot on the power play. Wow, it's pretty. But it's pretty. Few chances. Go ahead. It's it's pretty simple to me for Chicago. I, if if I'm Chicago. I think I can win this series five on five. Why wouldn't you? You beat the Oilers twice during the regular season at home. Yeah. I was at those games. Now Edmonton had won the opening three games of a road trip in New York and then played Chicago and had won, you know, back to back nights in Nashville and Dallas, went Nashville to Dallas back into Chicago and, and you know, so they had basically accumulated five road wins without a loss going into those two games against Chicago. And uh and kind of woke up halfway through the game. But Chicago was a better team for the first half of the game. Ironically, the game that Edmonton won against Chicago at home, McDavid didn't even play. So that was the first of the six games that he missed. So, uh, But I do think if I'm in the Chicago room, I'm thinking I can win this thing five on five and i got to stay out of the box because they don't have a great penalty killing. They don't have a great power play. The Oilers' power play... They could have scored nine times in their first three power plays last night. They called the dogs off, obviously, 4-1 <laughs> late, right? But they could have scored. They had multiple looks. Clearly, they were trying to set up James Neal. They got, you know, we, we talked so much about Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and McDavid, but they got a couple unsung heroes on that power play, don't they? They really do, Bob. And and uh, the uh, the power play goal scored by McDavid uh, came as a result of both those unsung heroes. You had Chase on doing what he always does. He just crowds that net. He is so tight to the goalie. I don't know if there's a guy who plays the net front right now in the NHL on the uh, on the power play who's more in tight consistently on the goalie than Chase on. He, he's so disciplined 
in following that role. And what he does is he sucks the defenseman down low, and that allowed Drysaddle to find a passing lane to McDavid right across the uh, front of the net for the goal. And the other guy is Clefbaum, and he, he's gotten you know there's been some criticism of him that he doesn't um, have a like a thundering, accurate, devastating point shot. Uh, that can score a lot of goals from the on the power play, but in the last couple of years, what he's done is he's cut down on his shooting altogether. He doesn't shoot, he shoots about half as much as he used to on the power play, and he just constantly he's just like a point guard in basketball, setting up the big shooters, Drysaddle, and Nugent Hopkins and McDavid, looking for them and efficiently and really putting that puck right on the spot and really fast. The puck comes to Clefbaum and he moves it rapidly. And uh, he's become exceptional at that. And it's really underrated because it's not a very spectacular play. But having someone that unselfish and efficient uh, running that power play really makes it go. We had Ken Holland on the show on Monday. I asked him about Yesapoliarvi. Ken Holland said, David, that uh, there had been, uh, you know, there was a Zoom call with Poliarvi and Marcus Leto, uh, Poliarvi's representative. Marcus Leto is now with Wasserman uh, Group. Um, who represent Connor McDavid. Uh, Paul Yarby was on that Zoom call. So was Dave Dippett. Has there been any developments on that front involving Yessa Paul Yarby? What have you heard? There's a story today out of the Tampira newspaper. And uh, Paul Yarby, he's sounding more positive than ever, Bob, about coming back here. He's got, you know, he's been saying never say never for a couple months, but now he's saying things like, I'm a different person now, and I've learned a little bit. And, uh, you know, that was in some ways the most encouraging thing to hear because, you know, it didn't work out that well for him here, but that's got to be on him as well as the team. And for him to kind of acknowledge that, to take a step in acknowledging that, I think that's probably what uh, Tippett and Holland need to hear in terms of working with this player going forward. You know, as for the conference call, Pugliarvi said that it was he didn't want to get into the details, but he said it was a positive call. All right. So, um, you know, reading the tea leaves, it sounds like this, is it's gone from being highly unlikely to happening, like maybe a 10% chance or a 5% chance Pugliarvi would return, to what I w- I, I'm guessing is like 75% chance he's going to be signing his next big contract, uh, NHL contract with the Oilers. I don't think it'll be a big one. He's going to well, not that's... a big contract. Yeah, I agree, Bob. It'll be now. Do you know what he would make? In, do you know what he would be making in that finish league? I'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm guessing about half a million. Not even that much. Know. Not even yeah, that much. Maybe three. Maybe three hundred to four hundred thousand. Yeah. Uh, you you would assume that he could probably get entry level money here, so like nine hundred or I mean, because you can't pay him more than Archibald because Archibald kills penalties for you and is the Oilers' third line right winger. He's one point five million dollar player. Uh, the Oilers do have four right wings under contract. They got Yamamoto, who's clearly established himself, David, as a top six guy. They got Cassian, who can ride shotgun and play multiple positions. Even Archibald can play multiple positions on the right side, and so too can chase on. So the Oilers would be fairly deep on right wing if Pugliarvi would come back. Now, I guess they could look at, theoretically, maybe, I, I don't know, you know, is it too much of an adjustment to throw him over on the left side? I don't know, because to me, second line left wing is open on this hockey club for the 2021 season. Dave, I want to take a little bit of an issue with you on something, okay? Go ahead. I think you know what's coming up. Um, Connor McDavid had a little bit of fun, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, a little bit, on the challenges that maybe Leon Dreisaitl would win the Hart Trophy because you can't trust the media. And, of course, as you know, the, the, the Hart Trophy is voted upon by the Professional Hockey Writers Association. And uh, they've done 
as much as possible to skew things neutrally so there's not an Eastern Conference bias over the West. I will say, I don't think being a beat writer is an easy task. I think that uh, there's, and a lot of people might not like listening to this kind of talk on a show, like, ah, we don't care about the media. But the fact is that those jobs have depreciated in time. Dave, you're in that very industry yourself. You're a great feature writer. You write Cult of Hockey. Is it fair to say you write Cult of Hockey as an Oilers fan and observer? Oh, fair? definitely, Bob, yeah. yeah. And blogger. And, and, and I know you sort of picked up on it and and wrote a piece of it. What, what kind of feedback? Did you did you get any personal feedback on that at all? Because <laughs> cause you know you know well, Connor was see. kind of joking, but it might have been in a little bit of an... Like, I think Connor's got a little burr up as, you know, as well, but he was kind... He, was, he said it with a smile and was kind of joking. Uh, what did you get in terms of response? from the piece so mcdavid was joking not joking his, his i think he has every right to be upset that in you know the year taylor hall won that he wasn't one of the three finalists and i think he he should have won he should have beat out taylor hall and my point is uh with with the writers is you, this isn't this isn't perfect i i'm not saying take this job away from the writers i'm just saying that they get it wrong sometimes and their system isn't perfect and were the writers happy that i said that no uh, I, uh, you know, kind of off the record. I don't want to get into it because it was all behind the scenes. But they were, okay. they made it very clear to me they were unhappy with my opinion that they, that they were not getting it right. And they, you know, they're thinking they get it right. And I'm saying, I'm not saying it should be taken away. I'm just saying there's no perfect system. This is a subjective call, and they're going to get it wrong now and then. And I think they have gotten it wrong now and then. Well, I, I, I'll give you an example in that year. By the way, in uh, 2718. Uh, the top three finalists were Taylor Hall, Nathan McKinnon, is that right? Andre Kopitar, Giroux finished yeah. fourth, and McDavid yeah. finished fifth. McDavid I'll only had six, yeah. McDavid only had sixteen point four six percent of the vote that year. I remember that uh, I brought this up with a writer in Colorado. He did not have McDavid in his top five. The Oilers played Colorado three times that year. Connor McDavid was the first star in all three games and had eight points. And I was kind of thinking, what exactly, as a writer that follows the Avalanche, you had a chance to see McDavid play three times. He was the first star in all three games, head-to-head against your player, Nate McKinnon. And he had eight points in those three games. What didn't you see from McDavid that would not put him in the top five of your voting, right? Like that, and I, and I did address it directly with the writer that was involved. And he's a good guy. Um, you know, and I get, look, I get it the other way. Hey, you're a broadcaster for the team. You're employed by the Oilers Entertainment Group. Uh, I, I, we try to be as balanced and as impartial as we can. Obviously, we're going to advocate for, hey, if you listen to the show, you know damn well we advocated for the downtown entertainment arena complex. Okay? And, uh, um, there, there is a book out there written from a very specific <laughs> perspective, David, as you know. Yeah. And it basically is because one of the former counselors is really upset the vote didn't go the way she wanted it to go, and so they did a hatchet job in the deal. And I would tell you, if I was to leave the Oilers tomorrow or whatever and decide to write a book, I would not write a book that far in support of the deal. I'd try to write a more balanced book than the book that came out that was opposing the deal. It's, it's, and I know that uh, a lot of your work that you did covering the deal – because it's turned out to be a pretty good thing for Edmonton. Uh, but but it just shows you the different perspectives that are out there, doesn't it? The ranges of opinion. 
That's right, Bob. And so in my business and in your business, I give it outright. I criticize people. So, uh, and I better be prepared to take it. And I do take it, I can assure you, as you do. And I would say the same thing to the hockey writers. Listen, you know, they they give it out. They criticize people all the time. So if I write a, a, a post where I say, listen, I don't think you guys get it right all the time. I, I don't have, you know, I understand that they're not happy with that. But on the other hand, if you give it out, you got to take it. And that's the rule for all of us in this business. I'll leave you with this, David. Uh, I take it all the time, and I get it dished out to me all the time. And it's yep. usually from about 2 o'clock until 10 o'clock at night in my own household. I lose every <laughs> debate and every conversation. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Dave. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks, Bob. You bet. From the cult of hockey, that is David Staples. It's 124. We'll take a quick timeout. You're listening to Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 127 in Edmonton. Cars cost less in but outstanding customer service is a key to business as well. Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin is a nine-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. They'll provide you with an outstanding uh, service experience at the time of the purchase. They'll continue that standard after the sale as well. So let Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford lend a hand by calling one 877 or go online at brentridge.com. They got great F-150s, I can tell you that. All right, quickly, we got time for two texts here on our Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Bob, the uh, Achilles heel for the Oilers is five-on-five. Any team that plays a disciplined game and stays out of the box could give the Oilers a hard run. You know what? I agree. There you go. And my hope is the Oilers are better positioned to have greater success five-on-five now than they were uh, pre-Yamamoto. They should be. I mean, they've definitely added Yamamoto and Ennis in their top nine. Uh, Bob, how about the year regarding the so-called professional hockey writers voted in Ovechkin on both left and right wing, and Taylor Hall didn't get on the all-star team. Uh, They should be called semi-pro writers, as most bloggers are, uh, more thorough uh, than that in the media. That one comes to us uh, from Brad. So there you have it. Uh, Sunny in Vancouver. Bob, I see the NHL is celebrating diversity and supporting uh, Black Lives Matter. Do you think there's a chance the Oilers' starting lineup for a game could include Andreas Athanasiu? Jujar Kara, Connor Yamamoto, Darnell Nurse, and Caleb Jones from Sunny in Vancouver. Maybe. 
Uh, I mean, if there's a specified date, yes. I, I thought last night's uh, opening in the tribute to Colby Cave, I mean, I, I'll tell you right now, I mean, we weren't even in the building, but as we were watching that, it was, you know, you just, you care for uh, people and you care for something like that and, and how it uh, affects the people, you know, the, the family. And I just looked down at the orders uh players uh, on the screen and it was it, it was tough to watch right so I, I thought the owners did a great job last night and uh, the flames in participating in that uh, for colby cave as well off to a global news weather and traffic update with david bowles when we come back our nhl insider john shannon oilers now with bob stoffer weekdays at noon on oilers radio 6 30 chad